Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Today we continue to learn more about the so-called Palestinian people. Pastor J.D. is very much an authority on this matter because he was born and raised believing that he was Palestinian. We'll learn more today why this is nothing more than a trick of the enemy in an attempt to thwart God's chosen people from existing in the land that he's promised them. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on December 17th, 2017. I scanned in some of the main articles that related to the rebirth of the nation of Israel from back in uh, May of 1948. And I just want to share with you uh, some of these really interesting articles because, again, it explains as evidence this myth of the Palestinian. I'll start with this first one titled simply Palestine. It's published on August 19, 1946, just shy of two years before the rebirth of Israel as a nation. So what of a Jewish state? The Arabs regard it as an exotic movement, internationally financed, artificially stimulated, holding no hope of ultimate or permanent success. Wow. Guess they got that one wrong. This one is titled The Palestine Problem and was published on February 16, 1948. The UN had decided that all Palestine should be divided into three parts. A Jewish state, an Arab, Arab state, and an internationalized Jerusalem. The UN stands back of the decision, but so far back that from the Mount of Olives, around which is being spilled the blood of Arabs and Jews, Its blue banner is almost invisible. Any move to revise would, of course, be a serious blow to UN prestige. Moreover, it would probably increase the fighting. Stalin could then maneuver over to the side of the fanatical ex-Grand Mufti and try to stir up the whole Arab world. Arab world. This could be disastrous for the U.S. and the U.N. and the 800,000 Jews in Arab lands. Arab lands. I emphasize that for a reason. Um, I hope you noticed the reason. The reason is this conspicuous absence of any mention of 
Palestinians. Oh, oh, Palestine, we know why it was named Palestine, but they don't call them Palestinians. They call them Arabs, not Palestinians. So why is there no mention of these Palestinians in the articles? Because there were no Palestinians in the land. They were Arabs that were there. And and here's what they say about that. Oh, the reason why there were no Palestinians in the land is because the Jews forced them out by the millions. Oh, really? Well, this is where um, I know firsthand uh, that's a lie, because before statehood, my grandmother, this is my mom's mom, who was born in Nazareth, by the way. How cool is that? <laughs> my, my grandmother was born in Nazareth, man. Okay, so, um, and of their own volition, they moved to Jordan, which, by the way, by their own admission, Jordan is considered to be Palestine. They've said that. They've said that. They moved to Jordan. This is uh, after statehood. And then after the Six-Day War, miraculous Six-Day War in 1967, June, my family there, of their own volition, left. They were not forced out. They left there of their own volition, and many of them went to Jordan next door. Nobody forced them out. The land was barren, the land was uninhabited, the land was a wasteland. Bennett of this writes, Arabs claim that Jews forced millions of Palestinian Arabs from the lands they had farmed for thousands of years. We know that prior to modern times, millions of Arabs never lived in Palestine. We also know that Arabs have not been around for thousands of years. Only the Jews had a continual presence in the land. Rather than being farmed by Arabs for thousands of years, it was a wasteland. Eminent writers and pilgrims to the Holy Land throughout the ages have left many written testimonies of the empty, barren wilderness Historians report the same findings. He goes on to document these historians and speaks of the prolific American writer Mark Twain who toured Palestine in 1867. Listen to what he wrote in The Innocents Abroad. Come to Galilee, these unpeopled deserts, these rusty mounds of barrenness, that never do shake the glare from their harsh outlines, that melancholy ruin of Capernaum. We reached Tabor safely. We never saw a human being on the whole route. Bethlehem and Bethany and their poverty and their humiliation have nothing about them now. The hallowed spot where the shepherds watched their flocks by night and where the angels sang, peace on earth, goodwill to men, 
is untenanted by any living creature. Bethsaida and Chorazin have vanished from the earth, and the desert places round about them sleep in the hush of a solitude that is inhabited only by birds of prey and skulking foxes. Stirring scenes occur in the valley of Jezreel no more. There is not a solitary village throughout its whole extent, not for 30 miles in either direction. Palestine sits in sackcloth and ashes, desolate and unlovely. It is a dreamland. Citing a man by the name of Carl Herman Voss in The Palestine Problem Today, Israel and Its Neighbors, Bennett writes, In the twelve and a half centuries between the Arab conquest in the seventh century and the beginnings of the Jewish return in the 1880s, Palestine was laid waste. Its ancient canal and irrigation systems were destroyed, and the wondrous fertility of which the Bible spoke vanished into desert and desolation. He also cites Gunner Edward Webb in the Palestine Exploration Fund quarterly statement, saying, Nothing there to be seen but a little of the old walls. Speaking of Jerusalem, which is yet remaining, and all the rest is grass, moss, and weeds. Quoting a French poet from Netanyahu, a place among the nations, Bennett writes, outside the gates of Jerusalem we saw indeed no living object, heard no living sound. We found the same void, the same silence as we should have found before the entombed gates of Pompeii, a complete Eternal silence reigns in the town. Would you find it interesting? After the rebirth of Israel as a nation, May 14th, 1948, fulfilling a key, I would argue, the most important prophecy in the end times about the rebirth of the nation of Israel by one vote of the UN. Can a nation be born in a day? Can these dead bones live again? Ezekiel 37, 36 and 37. On May 14th of 1948, those prophecies were fulfilled. And don't you find it interesting that the enemy would inspire the likes of Ayas or Arafat to remanufacture this so-called Palestinian cause and lay their illegitimate claim to Israel and specifically Jerusalem for such a time as this. So you're probably asking, why did I bore you with such a long dissertation on the historic illegitimacy of this so-called Palestinian cause? Well, it's because it's all coming back full circle today. And I'll explain what I mean by that. The Palestinian myth that's gaining traction is fulfilling major Bible prophecy specifically surrounding Jerusalem. 
You know, uh, last year when Trump was elected president, I made the statement that I truly believe that a Trump presidency will in fact speed up Bible prophecy, not slow it down. And certainly his declaration of Jerusalem as Israel's capital seems to be bringing this to bear. What the Arabs are saying today about Jerusalem as Israel's capital is exactly what the Arabs were saying in the 1940s about Israel becoming a nation. Listen to the Saudi Arabian king, Ibn Saud, as I quote from this Life magazine article dated May 31st, 1943, which is five years before Israel's rebirth as a nation, quote, I know of nothing that justifies the Jewish claims in Palestine. I am not afraid of the Jews or the possibility of their ever having a state or power, either in the land of the Arabs or elsewhere. And then he says this, This is in accordance with what God, Allah, not our God, Allah, has revealed unto us through the mouth of his prophet in his holy book. Really? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Call me silly. But um, this is what your so-called prophet and holy book said? That Israel would never become a nation? Is, is that what... You're saying this is in accordance with what's been revealed through Muhammad and the Qur'an? Well, pardon me, but where I come from, they call that a false prophet. Right? And a false god. The Qur'an is false. Muhammad, a false prophet. Allah, a false god. Islam, a false religion. Let me try to bring it in for a landing here. At the beginning, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about why this really matters to us. I mean, whether we're in Kaneohe or Cairo, what does this mean to us? Well, what this means to every single one of us is that this matters. Why? Because Jerusalem is the second hand on God's prophetic clock and it's fast approaching midnight. And as it does, many have believed and are deceived by the lie that Jerusalem doesn't belong to the Jew. And here's the problem. If Jerusalem doesn't belong to the Jew, then the word of God and the God of the word are not true. And if the word of God isn't true, then we've been lied to, right? God has an everlasting covenant with the Jew. And here's the thing. He also has a covenant with me and you too. So if the so-called Palestinian cause were true, that would have to mean one of two things. It would either mean that God is a liar and or God has broken his covenant with both the Jew and us too. Are you with me? 
So if that covenant is no longer true, then you know what that means? It means that Jesus is not and cannot be the way, the truth, and the life. And certainly in John 14, verse 6, we have been misled because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, not a way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. Muhammad is not the truth. I am the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody else. That's the only way. Only Jesus, Jesus only. And that's why it matters. That's why. Do you see how subtle, how cunning it is to dismantle the truth by inserting the false, the lie? If you'll give me your attention for just a couple more minutes, I want to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I close every prophecy update with what's known as the ABCs of salvation. I want to just share with you again what I shared uh, with first service. Uh, I hope that in doing this, uh, it doesn't become rote. And by that, I mean that this isn't just, oh, here, you know, okay, I already know this. I'm already saved. So I'll just kind of, you know, hope it doesn't go too long. Well, wait a minute. What if uh, the Lord wants to bring somebody into your path this week so that you can share with them the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ? And maybe he wants to equip you to be able to do that. And maybe heretofore he's been unable to do that because you've not really known a way to do that, at least a simple way to explain it. Maybe you could do this. Maybe you can just share with them the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ by way of the ABCs. The A is for, very simply, admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. This is Romans 3.10. It says, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were all born sinners, which is why we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it this way. You are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast that somehow they did something to earn it, to deserve it. No, it's a gift you receive. It's not something you earn. The only thing we earn is death. That's the wage that we earned. The wages of sin is death, the death penalty, which was paid for in our stead by Jesus Christ and his blood shed. 
He came into that courtroom, as it were, as we were being sentenced to death for our sin. And he says to the judge of the universe, stop everything, hold everything. I will pay his death sentence. I will go to the electric chair for him, or I will have the lethal injection instead of him. And the judge looks to you and says, good news, buddy. (laughs) That's what gospel means, by the way. Good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. That's what the word gospel means. Good news. Your sentence has been paid. Your debt has been paid. You are free to go. And Jesus goes in and pays that death sentence in your stead. That's the gift of God. That's the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. This is what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And then the C, finally, is for call upon the name of the Lord, or if you prefer, confess. This is what Romans 10, 9, and 10 also says. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13, and I love Romans 10, 13. It seals the deal, so to speak. It says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will, not might, not could, not should, will. It doesn't say some, it says all who call will be saved. Pretty simple, isn't it? Is it too simple? Is it too good to be true? No, it's so good that it has to be true because God is good and he is true. Father in heaven, I, I thank you so much for the simplicity of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, so much that it's not complicated. Thank you that we don't have to do anything before we come to you. Thank you that we can just come as we are and call upon you, believing in our heart, confessing with our mouth, acknowledging our sin, and all who do will be saved. Lord, if there's somebody here in this amazing church that is my privilege to pastor, and you see the heart, we only see the outward appearance, and we make no assumptions. Only you know the heart. Lord, I pray that today they would open their heart to you, that they would call upon you, that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. 
The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in his love.